Amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Uh, thank you, Pastor Richard, for the kind words and uh, for, for, your, for your example uh, uh, throughout, throughout all these years and, and, and growing up in this church. Uh, uh, I treasure it so much, uh, and I know, I know that, that, that God has, is working through you every step of the way. And that's, that's why I can trust your direction because I know God is leading you. So thank you for being the man of God that, that he has called you to be. You guys have an awesome pastor. The best pastor on the face of this earth, let me tell you right now. Our pastor does not fear, does not fear uh, the strategies and attacks of the enemy. Let me tell you right now. It's a man that has courage, boldness, that God has given to him. So uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glad to be here tonight. Uh, good to see your faces. Uh, I, was, I was telling uh, the guys in the back earlier that, uh, you know, we're doing online services right now, which is, you know, it's good and great. Uh, but there's nothing like seeing faces and hearing voices. My goodness. Uh, I, I, was, I was more of like an introvert growing up, uh, and God has totally changed me. Um, and, and now I could, you know, now I actually uh, uh, need some interaction. Uh, I was, you know, hungering for some, for some, for, uh, you know, some conversation, uh, you know, with real adults. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it's just my wife and I and, and, and uh, you know, uh, having a great time uh, and our four kids uh, but uh, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord and fellowship uh, with you. And so, you're a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and tell him tonight, God is going to bless your faithfulness. We're going to continue tonight in the, in the series, as Pastor uh, mentioned, the seven churches of Revelation in talking about the city of Philadelphia. No, this isn't the city here in the United States. Some of you are thinking already Philly cheesesteak. Sorry to burst your bubble. This is a different Philadelphia here. We know that all the seven churches uh, are in present-day Turkey. And so this is, this is where these churches are. And so uh, we're talking about tonight uh, the faithful church in Philadelphia. And this is the church that, that Jesus doesn't have anything bad to say about them. What a blessing, right? Isn't it, isn't it good just to, just to receive, um, you know, a bunch, of, a bunch of attaboys, right? And, you know, you're, you're doing a great job and, 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 and you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're looking good and you're, and you're talking good and, and, and everything just seems to be going good for you right now. You're faithful. Your, your, your prayer life is excellent. You know, we don't really like to hear, uh, you need to pray more, right? You're thinking like, no, you need to pray more, right? Who do you think you are? You're not God. <laughs> I think I heard someone say, that's right, that's funny. <laughs> but we like to hear compliments. We love it. Anyone does. And so... What a blessing that this church in Philadelphia 
was receiving all of these good things. This word that, that, that we're going to get into, uh, but their faithfulness. You may have heard uh, that it called the city of brotherly love. That is exactly because uh, it was two brothers uh, that uh, founded uh, this, this, this city and, 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 and uh, uh, who really did care for each other. And so it was nicknamed after them. Until this day, uh, this place is the most fertile place uh, to grow raisins. You're thinking, why are you, why are you telling me that, Pastor? Because I like association, right? Whenever I, whenever I try to remember things, because my memory is, is you know, it, I'm not going to say it's bad because I'm not going to curse my, my memory. Uh, uh, it's not as good as I would like it to be. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I associate things in order to remember. And so whenever you're eating your raisin bran in the morning, just think of the church in Philadelphia. How about that? Is that a little easier to, to, to do? It is for me. I don't know about you. And I love raisin bran too. I want to read this scripture here in Revelations chapter 3 and verse 7. We're going to begin. Jesus says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet." And to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this divine appointment that you have set for us tonight. Lord, help us to be attentive to your voice, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word, because we know that in obedience, we will see the blessings, we will see rewards. For you, bless obedience. Lord, help us. Help us to submit our lives unto you. Lord, and I pray for encouragement tonight, for strengthening in this place, for a renewing, a refreshing. Lord, and I cast out all fear 
Lord, but I pray that your comfort would surround us tonight in your peace. Lord, for we know that nothing can ever affect your plan. Nothing can change. Yes. I was just going to keep yelling. I mean, sooner or later, the voice is, is going to go, but it's all right. We'll get through it. <clears throat> Thank you, sound guys. Awesome, awesome. You guys are faithful. You guys are so, such hard workers. All of our ministry workers, thank you. Uh, 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 th those who are working in the ministry, uh, I'm sorry, working in, in, the, in the nurseries, uh, in our child care. They can't hear us, but let's give God praise for them. Let's thank them tonight. Faithful, faithful people. I love it. There's two things that I want to focus on before we move forward uh, with this. Is number one, that Jesus doesn't mention their failures. Why not? Do you think this church in Philadelphia was perfect? Absolutely not. I'm sure they had, I'm sure they had their, 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 their pitfalls, and, and, and I'm sure they had, uh, you know, maybe their struggles. I'm sure every member didn't, didn't you know, give generously, serve uh, 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 actively, uh, and, 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 and pray passionately. Do you think they had any problems? I know they did. Why? Because wherever there's people, there's problems. Isn't that right? And so they had people, so you know they had problems there. So why didn't God bring, why, why didn't Jesus bring these things up? Because sometimes some sin isn't worth mentioning. What do you, people are like, what, what, what do you mean? We got to judge everyone. I learned here that Jesus doesn't bring up certain things even though they're not perfect, but he encouraged them and he blessed them for their faithfulness. They weren't perfect. Are you listening to me? They weren't perfect, and yet Jesus didn't bring those things up. So what does that tell us? Stop looking for negative in people's lives and start encouraging for the positive, amen? Number two is that encouragement is a powerful force. You see, Jesus speaks to the church of Philadelphia and says, he says, I see what you're doing. He says, I know it's hard. I love you very much, and I'm very proud of you. Isn't that a good word? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter you know, what age you are, if you're little or you're older, you know, it's, always, it's always good to have someone say you know, they're proud of you, right? They love you. That means, that means they actually like being around you. 
Isn't that a blessing? Sometimes I can think, man, I, I'm surprised anyone wants to be around me at times, especially, especially when I haven't gotten my lunch yet and it's about 12 o'clock. See, here's what happens to them is that they continue for the next 1,200 years. Because of this encouragement, see, that's the power in it. If you're a parent, you could speak, you could speak a word of life into your child that will, that will put a, a, a wind in their sail for the rest of their life. You can do that. See, Jesus provides encouragement to that church, and as he does, I hope he provides encouragement to our church tonight. So, I titled this message, How Do We Stay Strong When You Feel Weak? How to stay strong when you feel weak. Number one, I want to look at it, and, then, and this is all pulled from this, this scripture here. Uh, number one is remember our king is Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, my king is Jesus. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them, my king is Jesus. See, it's, see, it's so nice, you gotta say it twice. <laughs> I'm telling you, I should have been a rapper. See, whatever leadership there is on earth, whether, whether, it, be, whether it be political, uh, uh, spiritual, uh, above it all is Jesus. Above it all is Jesus. Doesn't matter who it is. And it says here that he is, quote, the one who has the keys of David. You see, this represents Christ's authority to open the door into his future kingdom. And Jesus says, I open and nobody can shut. And I shut. He says, I open and nobody can shut, and I shut and nobody can open. Now he tells the church, he says, I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. And in Isaiah 22, we're told about a servant uh, who was to receive the keys to the palace. And these were called the keys of David. And this meant that he had complete authority to admit or refused to admit anybody who wanted access to the palace. Jesus here is describing himself as the holder of the keys, but not only does he have the keys, but he has authority over the keys. Jesus refers to this church as a little power church. He says you're a church that really could that really couldn't open the door by yourself. You're a church that couldn't hold the door closed if you wanted to. 
You're just a little power church, but don't assume that this means unproductive. Don't assume that this means that they did not have a future. See, all it meant was that it was small in comparison to the secular culture at that time. Jesus says, he says, though you may seem insignificant to those around you, because of your obedience, I will open doors for you that no man can shut. We know in the Gospels that Jesus described himself as the door. He said on more than one occasion that it's in him, it's through him, and it's by him that we are rightly connected to God. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, one of, one of my key portions of scripture that, that always, has always um, really encouraged me, uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you, ever, if you ever have thought little of yourself, you gotta read this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you have some insecurities in your life, if there's some things that, that, that you wish you had that others do have, maybe some talents, some qualities, you need to read this verse. Because this is, this is God's word over your life. As God's children, you should never, ever feel insignificant. Do you think a, a king's son feels insignificant in the real world? Do you think a president's child feels insignificant? Not at all. Not at all. I guarantee you those kids feel like they have the keys to the entire world. Who are we? Who are you? You're children of the Most High. You're children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not saying to walk in arrogance, but walk in confidence. See, Jesus knows all about you. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you need. See, there's times in every believer's life when we just need a fresh dose of trust and comfort in our lives. Listen to the comfort Jesus brings in verse eight. He says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. I know what you're going through. He says, but know that I am fighting for you. I know what you're going through, I know what you need, and I am opening doors for you that no one can shut. I'm paving the way for you. See, sometimes we just need someone who understands. Let me tell you right now, Jesus understands and he comforts. See, there's something being said here about the sovereignty of our Lord. He can elevate, he can empower, he can utilize, he can bless, he can produce effectiveness in whoever he wants. This is great news. That means that regardless of the culture, regardless of the opposition, 
regardless, regardless of, of, of the odds, God can do things through you and through us as a church that are unstoppable. Let's personalize this for a moment. Jesus is basically saying, I'm the one who holds the key to your future. I'm the one who can open the right doors and shut the wrong ones. I'm the one who can open for you new opportunities and new beginnings. I'm the one who can close those doors that need closing. Those doors of old memories. Those doors of old hurts. Those doors of, 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 of old habits. Jesus is saying, I can make a way. Your future is held and secure in my hands. He is the one who has the keys of David, and he is the king above all. Jesus says, I know your works. In other words, he sees your works. Let me ask you personally, what are you doing? What are you supposed to be doing? Where are you supposed to be serving? What are you supposed to be giving? See, the next one is serve others. If we want to stay strong when you feel weak, uh, you need to serve. You need to serve. Some of you are like, what do you mean? If I'm weak, how am I going to do any more physical activity? Come on, pastor. It's amazing, it's amazing how when you are feeling down, that when you do something for someone else, it actually lifts you up. <laughs> try it. Don't just, don't just, you know, take every word that I say. Try it for your own, for your own self. I dare you. Next time you feel down, Next time you feel like, oh, you know, bummer summer. <laughs> Go encourage someone. Do something for someone. Take someone some food. Uh, I, I, you know, you know j just, just do something for someone else. And God is going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up. He's going to get you out of that funk. See, for some, the real root of unhappiness, the root of your frustration is that you don't serve others. You're not giving, you're not caring, you're not praying, you're not serving. And then we'll show up to a church service and we'll complain that, that this church isn't meeting my needs. See, those who are serving are rarely those who are complaining and criticizing. Why is that? Because your greatest need is to serve. Why? Because Jesus is a servant. And if we are to model our lives after him, then we need to take on servanthood. And we're not going to be satisfied, and we're not going to be joyful until we do it. 
So if you've ever found yourself thinking, this church isn't meeting my needs, no, you need to evaluate your lives and you need to look back on how, uh, how am I serving others? How am I serving someone else? I tell, my, I, I tell our church that. That when you come into these doors, it's to serve someone else. It's not to see what you can get. We walk through as, when, when you walk through as an unbeliever, yes, then you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life. But when you walk through those doors, a believer, and you're sanctified, and you're saved by grace, and you've committed your life to Christ, then you walk through those doors ready to serve. Notice how Jesus commends his church at the end of verse 8. He says, you have little strength, yet, he doesn't just stop there and say, you know, you're, you're just a little power church. He says, you have little strength, yet, you obeyed my word and did not deny me. See, though seemingly powerless, the church proved to be very strong. This church had been loyal to Jesus, and he promised now to be loyal to them. He says, you've kept my word. You have not denied my name. The door is open for you. And he expresses further loyalty in verse number 10. He says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come. See, how does, how does hypocrisy or faithfulness best get revealed in someone's life? Through times of testing. See, it's in those times of testing when your true colors are shown, isn't it? Many times we don't like those times of testing, but understand God is doing a great thing even during those times. I think when one Christian hears another Christian say, you know what? I went through a hard time in my life, but Jesus sustained me. That's encouraging. When you're going through something and someone tells you that, you know, I, I, just, I just went through this in my life, but God gave me the strength. He gave me the strength to get through it. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Some of you, some of you need to share your story with someone. Some of you need to let your, your, your times of testing and your trials uh, 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 to, to uh, encourage and strengthen someone else. Nothing gets wasted. I love that about God. Nothing gets wasted. Jesus then gives the command in verse 11. He says to hold on. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, hold on. The Christians at Philadelphia needed encouragement to consistently stay the course, just like all of us need that type of encouragement in our lives. So Jesus calls the church to persevere. Be consistent in your perseverance. So number three is be consistent. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be consistent. Let me define consistent. Uh, positive dependability 
positive dependability. See, I'm talking about more than just frequency. What do I mean by this? Well, if you were to ask a man if he is faithful to his wife, and he says, uh, frequently, what do you gather from that? See, it's more than just, it's, it's more than just a, a frequency, this consistency. I hope you're following me now since, you know, you got that picture in your, in your mind now. I'm talking about consistency that we want in our heartbeat, right? You want that heart to keep beating. You want it to be both positive and dependent, right? You depend on that thing to, 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 keep, to keep ticking, right? And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to consistency. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about positive dependability. See, Paul gives this warning to some Christians. He says, if you think you're standing, be careful. That's when you may fall. See, consistency begins with careful living. Pride, pride will cause someone to say, you know what, I'll never fall. But humility says, I need to watch my step. See, keep God's word in your heart. Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, do not grow weary in doing the right thing. I love that. Do not grow weary in doing the right thing. You know, I read Paul's words and I, and I could sense his love in his words. The sincerity in his writings. When he writes to the churches, when he writes to Timothy, I can, I can just sense his care. He says, don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Don't let yourself be manipulated by what others are doing. Just because this is the way society is going doesn't mean you have to do it too. I have not called you to fit in, God says. I have not called you to look like the world, but I have called you to be different. I have called you to stick out like a sore thumb. Steady, faithful, forward consistency. Is it possible in our lives to get tired of doing the right thing? Sure it is. If you say no, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you're a liar. Sure it is. We get tired in doing the right thing. Anyone would say yes to that. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know this. You can get tired of going to church. Don't say amen. I got to load my kids in the car 
you know, twice, you know, take them in, take them out, put them back in, take them out again. They're going to be tired. I got to get them dressed, you know, and then, then I got to, you know, do all these things just to get into church. You know, I, um, you know, I'm tired of this. Then there's that battle of resisting temptation within our life. Week after week, day after day, you resist. All the while, those around you seem to, seem to be living their best life now. They're having all the fun, catching all the breaks. You feel like you're missing out on something. You feel like giving up, and at times you feel like giving in. See, but Jesus says here in verse 11, he says, I come quickly, hold on. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, hold on. He says, I come quickly, hold on. He doesn't just say hold on, but he, but he gives them a promise. He says, I am coming back. I have not forsaken you. I'm coming back for you. Just hold on. Just stay faithful. Just keep pressing forward. Just keep your eyes on me. I know so-and-so is doing that. And I know it looks like their life is, is, is more blessed than yours. And, and, and they're more happy than you are. They're not. It's a lie from the enemy. It's just a facade. They just, they just put it on so that, so that you can think that. But they're not truly happy. They're not truly satisfied. Because things of the world does not, do not bring satisfaction. Only God can. Don't get lied to. Because it may look appealing. It may sound good. It may look good. It may even taste good. But it's not the real thing. It's counterfeit. Look at the promise of Jesus in verse 12. He says, I will make him a pillar and temple of my God. See, he's talking about stability and strength and position and honor. He says, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, and my new name. You know, it's kind of like a kid, a, 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 a child carrying their parent's name. And that parent walking into their child's school, and they look around, they see, they see their child, and they say, oh, that, that's my child. And that's my child, too. See, this is how God looks at us. Picture this. Picture God when he, his eyes sweep the earth. And he points to you and says, that's my child. That's my child. And he's mine, and she's mine, and he's mine, and she's mine. Can you imagine? Because you are a child of God. Take heart. See, may we be a church found faithful as the church in Philadelphia. What's beautiful about the church and the Christians at Philadelphia is they were simple. Nothing, nothing flashy is said about this church. Just that they were faithful. 
That church stands in stark contrast to those churches that we see nowadays. Today's churches needs, need, need big events, big names, big numbers to feel legit. They need something that's, that's more spectacular each time people come. They have, to, they, they, they have the urge to always outdo themselves. People chasing one fad church after another. See, don't misunderstand me. It's okay to be an exciting church. It's okay to be a big church. And it's okay to be a growing church as long as we are always an obedient church. God is calling us as he speaks to this church and brings out their faithfulness. I'm blessed, so blessed to be part of what God is doing here. Are we the, are we the only church that God, is, that God is doing things in? No, absolutely not. There's many, many more churches that God is doing great things in, but I'm glad that God has me here. I really am. God is doing great things. Let us be consistent. Let us remember that he is our king. Let us serve as he has called us to serve, and my God will strengthen you. He will give you everything you need in order to perform the task that he has called you to do. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He still loves you. He still has purpose for your life. If you have breath, then you have purpose. That's the way it works. Let's worship God tonight. Let's give God praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your name be praised. Hallelujah. As every head is bowed, every eye closed. Faithful church. Though they had little strength, they were obedient to God. Though they were small in numbers, their obedience gave them strength. Their obedience put them in right standing with God. And because they honored God, God honored them. This is what God seeks to do in our lives. This is what he is doing in our lives right now. He is honoring you because you have honored him. He is going to elevate you, and I don't mean, I don't mean for your own glory or for your own recognition. 
But because you are a child of God, because you have elevated him, because you have made it a purpose to put God first, there are any here tonight who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ tonight is for you this is for you see all of us who know God and have a relationship with him we're just we're just coming here to 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 to, to serve we're coming here to worship we're coming here to fellowship. But if you don't know God, if you haven't committed your life unto him, then this is for you tonight. We're here for you. What a glorious time it is. God is on the throne. Doesn't matter what's taking place in this world, God is on the throne. God is in charge. God has a plan, and that plan will be completed. Are you ready? Are you in right standing with him? Let me tell you right now, I urge you. I urge you to reach out. I urge you to call on his name. Why? Because he's going to fill you with his peace that you've never experienced before. He's going to take away that hurt and that pain, and he's going to trade it for comfort. He's going to take away those regrets, those memories that you keep dwelling on, that you can't get over, and he's going to give you freedom. If that's you and you want that tonight, I want you to raise your hand. If, you're, if, you're, if you want that in your life, I want you to raise your hand tonight, right now, right now. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. If that's you, raise your hand. You say, I want to commit my life to God. I want these things that you're talking about. I don't have joy in my life. I can't find peace. I can't find it. It's found in God. So we all stand to our feet. As so we all stand to our feet. If you want to make a commitment tonight to dedicate and commit your life to him, then I want you to come forward. Someone's going to lead you in a prayer. Come forward if that's you. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Walk out of fear. Walk out of fear and into the light. Be bold. God has, God has given you boldness and courage. It's yours. It's yours. To the church tonight. Jesus found this church to be faithful. He says, I honor you because you honor me. I lift you up because you have lifted me up. I open doors for you that no one can shut 
because you have opened the doors of your heart. Tonight. Are we doing everything that we can in our service to God? If you need some strengthening tonight, if you need some help tonight, I want you to come forward and I want you to seek God in those things. I want you to give things to him tonight. I want you to leave some things here at the altar and I want you to go back. I want you to go back uh, a, 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 with, with liberty. And I don't mean to, to live however you want, but to not live in condemnation, to not live in regret, to not live with those hurts. Give them to God. What is it? What is it that takes a hold of you that no one else knows, only you? Those, those, those secret struggles that you may be experiencing in your life. Give those to God tonight. Give them to God tonight. Lay them all out. Don't keep it a secret any longer. You see, God knows what's taking place. God knows even before you tell him, but he does want you to admit those things and to release.